Hey Bulldogs, it's Annie, and welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Tassel. I'm a marketing major of DeSales class of 2023, and I'm excited to be hosting this podcast with the purpose of reconnecting with our alumni and informing DSU students about the endless possibilities beyond graduation. Get ready to be inspired by the stories of our alumni and learn valuable insights from their career journeys. Now it's time to introduce this week's guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Tassel. I'm here today with, from San Diego, California, Eliza Martin, graduate of the class of 2011 as a musical theater and communications double major. Eliza is now a chef educator for local high school, elementary schools, and adults, and proudly holds the title of 2020 Food Network CHOP champion and recipient of the James Beard Foundation Women in Culinary Leadership. So Eliza, please introduce yourself and describe a little bit about your experience at DeSales and how you got to where you are today. Wow, what a journey. I feel like in a blink of an eye, a lot of things kind of uh, tumbled into place for me. I was very fortunate. DeSales meant a whole bunch to me. I came from a very small high school, so going to a really community-based learning experience in college was I think essential for me. I would have totally gotten lost in a giant school. Um, and the theater community was like family. Uh, that was, especially my professors. I mean, my best friends came from the theater department, but very important friendships I think were forged there. But the relationship I built with mentors there was also really important. Um, I had some amazing professors who took me under their wing, took time out of their day to help me when I was struggling uh, with what direction, which I can only imagine is probably even better now, post-pandemic, trying to figure out what the heck you're supposed to do with your time these days uh, and what direction you're supposed to face. And I was juggling two majors. And not only that, I decided it would be a great idea my junior year to go study abroad and still try to graduate on time. So <laughs> I, I think that uh, just sales provided me a nurturing place to kind of figure my stuff out and try stuff out and kind of poke my head into a couple different avenues. And although it felt a little intense in the moment, it was definitely worthwhile for me to be able to try all of the things I got to try because I was taking all of those incredible arts programs, but we were running a, a BA program, not a BFA. I got to take things like philosophy classes and like dive headfirst into theology classes and like make my mind work a little bit more outside of all the other stuff I was juggling. Uh, and that that really, I think, influenced me to be able to think for myself a little bit more <laughs> out in the real world. Um, but because of the showcase we were offered in uh, our theater program, that's what got me to New York City and where I, I quickly became a leading bartender <laughs> and, and sort of fell into restaurant world. I kind of kept peeking my head back into the back of house and um, decided I wanted to pitch this idea to some Food Network folks uh, that I met in New York about a college cooking show and they grilled me on how much cooking knowledge I had. And since I had none, they're like, why don't you just go to culinary school? So I did. And I, uh, you know, 10 years later, <laughs> got to be uh, executive chef of a restaurant in San Francisco. So my travels kind of took me from New York to Chicago, Chicago to San Francisco, all through food and running different styles of cuisine in 
a myriad of restaurants. And then I also got to kind of fall in love with teaching. So I was running programs at a children's culinary school in Chicago. I launched my own aquaponic company, uh, which is a growing like farm company that uh, partnered with Chicago Public Schools. And that's what gave us the opportunity to um, get kids more involved with what their food could look like. Uh, and then after that, I moved to San Francisco, took over an Italian restaurant, um, but still really felt called to teach. I was like running cooking programs out of the restaurant, <laughs> like in the dining room, like having kids wander in and make pasta, uh, which got a little messy. So I, I decided that I just needed to teach full time. Uh, so eventually I moved into um, a cooking school there in San Francisco. Uh, during the pandemic, my husband and I moved south to San Diego. Uh, and now I almost full-time am teaching in different capacities, whether it's adult cooking classes, virtually or in person, uh, children's cooking classes. I run a garden program at an elementary school and I, um, I run a cooking program for at-risk youth in a high school. Uh, and the goal is to talk to more college kids like you and get young people inspired to use their hands. I'm really not out to like create a, a like league of Gordon Ramsay's. I wanna create enjoyment and love for food and make the kitchen a really comfortable place. My my whole slogan is get cozy in the kitchen and have have a joy behind feeding yourself well. Does that make that's, sense? Yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. No, that's amazing. I love your message and I agree completely that everyone needs to get in the kitchen. It doesn't matter how old you are, who you are, what you do. When you, and I think it's amazing that you're teaching because when, because a lot of people, that's the biggest challenge is they, I don't know what I'm doing or, or it's just, it's hard. It's easier to just pick up food, but, um, you know, it's so much better for you. You save a lot of money. You yeah. feel rewarding. Like it's just a great experience to get in the kitchen and cook. So, um, and it's empowering. That's the thing yes. that was transformative to me. So, going back to my life at the sales, I did. I didn't cook for myself. I, you know, I had meals at the Duck, and then when I studied abroad in London, um, of all places, which is not for the record the mecca of food, but. <laughs> But it was the first time I had a kitchen. It was the first time I had to cook for myself. And I was 21 years old and still had kind of no idea. Like, I loved food, but I, and like, I grew up around food and my family loved cooking together, which was fortunate, but I still didn't really know what to do with my hands. So I had um, all these different flatmates who would each take turns teaching me one thing. So, like, poor little American girl. They, uh, I had like an Australian flatmate teach me how to make jam. I had an Italian flatmate teach me how to make like a perfect espresso and then a perfect, like she helped me with my tiramisu and you know, a Welsh flatmate who's like, we do Sunday roasts here. And so each of them kind of like started showing me the light. And I, every Saturday, find myself wandering to this little farmer's market and like, eating my face off in samples and like getting excited about all these new flavors and things I could try. And that was, I, that was it. It kind of, it sold me. So then when I came back to the sales to finish my senior year, I still had to complete an internship that was part of a communications degree, which is awesome. Everybody should do some sort of internship. I'm so glad you're doing one this summer, Emory. But I, uh, I 
was adamant about doing something involved with food. And, you know, I was so lucky to have mentors who were like, well, sky's the limit. Like, where, where do you want to go? And we found an internship with the Rachel Ray Show, um, which also meant I had to commute from the sales to New York three times a week, which was hilarious because I was also in the show at the sales. So <laughs> like, I was taking the bus at like three in the morning and getting back by like three o'clock in the afternoon so I could run to rehearsal and hopefully get some work done. <laughs> um, but the, but the counselors who helped me, you know, in the, um, internship world like they helped me put together my cover letter and helped me submit myself so I could do what I wanted and that was kind of the beauty of of the sales is I while it can be scary to have that many options and choices I think the beauty is that you get to choose a whole heck of a lot and you get to explore a whole heck of a lot and there's support for you to be able to do that and like chase whatever you want to chase because you get four years to like play. <laughs> and I don't think enough of our alums or our, our students are taking advantage of that. Like you, you get to, I mean, try it, try it on. Not, you won't get hurt. It'll, it'll only, you know, stretch you a little. So I think that was sort of, that was the gift that it gave me being able to study abroad, open my eyes to food. And then the internship I got to do right after that gave me this look into not only a big scary new city, which I then very quickly moved to. And also, you know, like a look into the food world from a different lens. So that was that was pretty pretty dynamite. <laughs> what did you do at the Rachel Ray show? What can you tell us about that experience? There were a lot of different things, but there were a ton of interns there actually, and they were from all over. And we basically ran the show. So we were in charge for all of the we were the gophers. So we would run across the city and pick up things like the leather skirts that Ray Ray needed to wear for that show that day, you know, whatever it was, the, you know, perfectly manicured looking produce. If we needed an exact close up of a celery root, like I had to go find a pretty one at a market or a grocery store nearby. But I'm not, I was not a city person at that time, but I just walked everywhere get in so much trouble because I would basically lose myself in the city. But I like walked everywhere and started to get more comfortable in not only my own skin, but like <laughs> in a great, great big city. So yeah, I, I would run all over to grab stuff. I would help feed all the guests. Basically, we would put out snacks for all the people who would be in the audience. Um, we'd feed the team. Um, we would help to like bring on and off all of the prepared items that she would put together on camera um and yeah just be a gopher I spent half the time like in transit getting to and from New York and half the time like actually at the internship um but it, it was awesome and wild that is amazing I can't imagine um you know jumping into such a new environment and then being on something like the Rachel Ray show that is so established and just having to go ahead first, that must've been just like, welcome to real life. Let's see how you do. <laughs> but you can, this is the thing though. Like, yeah, I think this is my message is uh, if I could do it, like I'm a corn fed Lancaster County, Amish country girl who grew up in a teeny tiny little part of the world. At Pennsylvania. If I could learn how to do any of this stuff, 
anybody can do this. I have no idea what we're capable of until <laughs> we try. So mm -hmm. um, I wanted to know, did you always want to go into your field? Did you always want to be a chef or was this something like sprung onto you later in life? Well, I always felt a need I always felt the need to teach. And I, uh, you know, when I was in uh, high school, I was teaching dance classes. When I was at DeSales, part of our act three, part of our uh, graduation project from the theater program is to run a children's musical or a children's show. Um, and so my, my role there was the education liaison, which meant I, we would go into libraries or schools and like do readings with the kids um, which I found so rewarding. Uh, so I've kind of always weirdly been teaching. Um, and then when I started working in restaurants, uh, I was just always kind of the nice line cook. So they would pass the new people to me. <laughs> I want to have to teach them. Um, I, and I'm, hopefully I only taught good things. Who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, um, our, we don't know what the world holds for us and it is silly to force the hand of fate so i i did not mean to become a chef in any respect i pitched an idea to somebody in new york while he was sitting at my table that i was waiting on and he was like well do you know about food have you been to culinary school and i got really embarrassed and said no and he said start there and i said okay uh, and so I jumped kind of head first into it. Um, after I also, I was taking acting classes in New York um, and had started getting a little bit frustrated uh, because not only was I, obviously, I, I mean, blonde hair, blue eyed girls are a dime a dozen in New York, I found out. <laughs> so in Cattle Falls, I was seeing a lot of me show up. And uh, so that was, that was hard. You know, I had it. I don't, I don't know that I was completely ready to be rejected as many times as I was rejected. Um, and I was in an acting class and I got really, really frustrated because my feedback was something along the lines of like, you're great, but you really need to get some sort of like fashion makeover or nobody's going to hire you. So I, I got really angry and was just sort of like, I don't, I want to create art. And for me, this avenue that I keep trying to force isn't, isn't where I seem to be able to create art. So I jumped into culinary school and I found, I found a school that I could take the fastest culinary program of nine months and, uh, and that I could take on weekends so I could bring. Um, so I was juggling a whole heck of a lot. But uh, right after that, I got very fortunate and, you know, our schools, our education systems are constantly offering us these little like opportunities. And if you say yes to one, it's a domino effect. So I, I saw a like listing for uh, this local ca this catering company, which turned out to be like a multi-million dollar catering company. We freaking catered for Lady Gaga, like my second week there. I was like, <laughs> what did I get into? But you just have to say yes as many times as possible in the beginning uh, and, and try it on. Like, any anything can happen anything is possible any avenue any relationship you create then leads to the next like my roommate in new york city 
is the person who brought me to San Francisco to run his restaurant for his family there. So any, it, it's all an opportunity. It's all kind of an open door. You just have to say yes enough times, which can feel a little daunting. Um, but you, you must, must, must take those risks. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, I, that was, that was kind of the launch into chef world. And then once I tumbled into restaurant life, I got kind of competitive and really wanted to learn as much as possible, as fast as possible. So I kind of got on this rotating lifestyle where I would start at a restaurant, work my way up the chain of command and around the line, like learn every dish, learn. And usually that would take six to nine months. And then you move to my next restaurant. And that kind of has been the flow in, in the culinary world. That's a little bit more normal, <laughs> acceptable uh, than in a lot of other fields. So um, I, with my culinary school again, they ran this competition through the James Beard Foundation. And the James Beard Foundation is kind of like, uh, the, the, like the Grammys of restaurant world. Um, and so they sponsored this Women in Culinary Leadership Program where a whole bunch of gals signed up. And then we had to cook for some celebrity chefs uh, and an owner of a restaurant that was both in New York and Chicago. And um, I, I won, which was crazy. Um, <laughs> then, yeah, they were like, hey, we can't offer you the, the role in New York, but we can offer you the one in Chicago. So I said, yes. <laughs> My little butt over to Chicago. Um, and then and that kind of like unfolded from there. I think your mentality and your mindset really sets you up for success because like you are talking about being so open and just saying yes and yes and having all these experiences is the only way that you're going to learn. And it's such an important message because you're not going to just do something once and expect greatness. Like, it, you know, you have to fail and make so many mistakes before you can climb all the way to the top. And even then you're still learning. So it's, it's amazing. It's so inspiring to hear from you. Um, so <laughs> well, I think that's also why I got into the food industry because that was the one place where I felt as in many artistic endeavors, I just will never learn it all. And that's why it was so interesting to me. I'm never going to be an expert in every single cuisine on our planet. I won't be. And that's yeah. so cool that I continue to learn and grow. So I think that no matter what field you go into, it's comparative. You find something that's going to challenge you and also give you an opportunity to continue your, your evolution as a human to keep learning. Yeah. Um, speaking of competition, so <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Chopped and just how incredible of a feat that is and just um, so well-deserved and truly, really impressive. So what was the process like for embarking on your Chopped journey and what major, you know, things could you share about this experience? Sure. Well, I told you, you said yes to one thing and a domino effect happened. So because I won the James Beard Foundation uh, competition and did their year-long internship in Chicago, um, several years later, they sent out an email to all the women that had gone through that program because it was then, I think, several years old um, because the Food Network had reached out to them and said, hey, we're not getting enough women on camera who are chefs for our chopped competitions do you know any any female chefs so they put a whole like thread out to us 
uh, and said like, hey, gals, like if you're interested in this, they're looking for girls in the kitchen, represent. So um, I applied, I just kind of submitted. And that's when I was the executive chef at a at my restaurant in San Francisco. And then I, I was kind of uh, phasing out into working at a children's culinary school. So then just kind of by luck, they reconnected with me a few months later and said, okay, we like you, but your submission, whatever, we're going to come out and like try you out and film while we're there. So they just did uh, an on-site in San Francisco with me where they came to my children's cooking school. They watched me cook. They took some B-roll footage. They, you know, followed me around a little bit. The producers liked me, and I'm sure this is how it goes for every single chef who applies. Basically, you do a little audition, and then they, they bring you in. Uh, we arrived <clears throat> at, like, 5 in the morning, and, um, and like, down in coffee. And they take your cell phones away. They give you a uniform to wear, uh, and you sit and wait. And then you get a tour of the kitchen, and you kind of see where you're going to be cooking. They, they take your set of knives, and they, they place them for you. And um, then you go back to the green room and you sit and wait. And then they bring you out and you meet the judges. And then you go back to the green room and you sit and wait. <laughs> it's just sort of this ongoing of uh, taping and then not taping. Um, and then you start your competition. And the timing of that is real. So there is an actual clock that you know clicks down and you do have 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes um, to create something magical which is crazy um and they they do you know the judges are there to kind of stoke the fire so i um you know they would lay into me about some, some things like my knife skills weren't good enough and i'd fire back that my hands were just shaking and they were making me nervous and you know whatever but the whole time my my goal was not to like bad mouth the other chefs i was with because i hate when that happens on those shows they they just turn it into this kind of awful dog eat dog thing and I'd had enough of that in my my own cooking adventures. So um, I, the, the chefs I got to cook with were actually amazing and really kind and genuinely um, like wonderful humans, cancer survivors, all like amazing stories um, and great cooks. So it was cool to hang out with them and like swap stories. And in between our cooking, so we would we would cook dish, go back to the green, then they present dishes to the judges. And um, hopefully it was still like kind of warm by that point. And the judges would try it, give a ton of feedback of which you only see like a few blippets of uh, on the actual finished show, uh, edited polished version. And then we would go back to the green room, we sit and wait. And the amazing crew there would just like clean the insanity that we created in the kitchen. And then we would come back on and do it again. So we would do that for the, the three rounds that you go for. Um, yeah, and I just kept me like shocked myself and just kept making it through. <laughs> um, and this is another moment when saying yes really helps. The program that got me to Chicago brought me to a restaurant called Vermilion, and that restaurant is an Indian Latin fusion restaurant that Manit, my judge on the show, actually used to run, so it was her restaurant. So my first dish I created was hers from that restaurant. <laughs> um, and that's where I got to make a connection with her about 
running her restaurant after she had left. I basically became the sous chef after she had been gone for several years. That is so cool. <laughs> that it's is so amazing. I, I feel like there was so many things that contributed to your win. I mean, with the fact that she was the judge because you had a dish that you know one of the judges would definitely like. And <laughs> oh, just that seems like you know, wild. <laughs> more than luck, more than just, you know, anything that is pure hard work, dedication and God on your side and everything like settled, <laughs> in, settled in the same spot. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I just, when I watched the episode, I just thought, you know, on that last basket, what went through your mind when you opened the dessert basket? Like, were you like, mm. all right, last chance, like, <laughs> Well, uh, I'm a studier and, um, if I don't go into anything, if I, if I go into something unprepared, I know that it's not going to end well. So I, my preparation for like going into the show was kind of silly, but I basically made lists of ingredients and decided ahead of time. Like I know myself well enough to know when I'm in stressful environments, I can get indecisive. So I gave myself my decisions beforehand. So if I saw this ingredient, this ingredient, or this ingredient, I was going to do Mexican food. If I saw this ingredient, this ingredient, I was going to do like Indian food. If I saw this, and I kind of made a list for myself of things that might show up just so I had like a plan of attack, which of course goes out the window, but at least I had something like solid in my mind so I could make a choice and go with it um which is also something the the sales theater teaches you (laughs) you make a strong choice and you go with it that was kind of my methodology when I opened the dessert basket I had made a list of like if I see something like mango then I have to do this icebox cake I made for a catering event like a million years ago um and I totally goofed up. Like I, I, my ice cream looks so beautiful, but they didn't put it in the freezer blaster. I told the guys the wrong thing. They put, when it was stored, it was put in just the freezer, which basically means it was melty by the time the judges got it, which kind of like docked me points. I actually thought I had lost. <laughs> um, so I was shocked when I wasn't on the chopping block. Um, so that was kind of wild, but uh yeah, I think when you have that small amount of time and that much pressure, like you just have to make a choice and and go for it. Like nobody's business. I like what you said about being prepared for everything you do. Just even if it all goes out the window, at least you had a plan in action because you feel some sense of stability. Being prepared is the first step to you know setting yourself up for success. And mm-hmm. that's really important message to send. So I wanted to ask you, could you tell us about your cooking background and your cooking styles? And then what are some of your favorite dishes to teach others how to make? My career started in upscale American cuisine. uh, And then I worked at several different types of restaurants. Um, That very upscale catering company I mentioned, I had a French pastry chef. So I worked on the pastry side for a little while. Um, And then I worked uh, in the savory kitchen uh, under a Mexican chef. Um, so there's a lot of different styles of cuisine coming together there. And that had some like gastro fusion, which means we were transforming food with weird chemicals. Basically like we could take something like yogurt and turn it into solid spheres and make it look really, uh, there's a lot. 
then I moved to Chicago and that was where Indian food came into play for me. And that, um, like I got to that restaurant and I was terrified because I couldn't pronounce a single thing on the menu. I didn't know what 90% of the ingredients even were, let alone like how to use them. And so that's like saying yes to really hard challenges is actually amazing because now a lot of my food is influenced by the techniques that I learned from that restaurant. I, I don't have to cook Indian food to be able to use the techniques that I learned there. Uh, after that, I went to a Creole restaurant, so like Southern cooking. Um, and then after that, I was working at a vegetarian children's cooking school. Um, my executive chef role was working in Italian food. Uh, and then after that, I worked with, in the next children's cooking school I worked with, uh, the owner was a Brazilian who had a lot of Thai food experience. So I got to learn, you dabble. Um, my food... I like to think is upscale comfort food. And I primarily, right now I run a pop-up here in our little hometown of San Diego um, in the in the neck of the woods that we live in. And so I sh- show up once a week in front of a cafe and we make um, what I think is pretty dynamite Italian food. And uh, we make it approachable. So we make it interesting enough that it is like, Raising the eyebrows of the foodies. So mm-hmm. I, my goal is, my goal is to make food that is interesting but approachable, and that's my teaching style, where I can give you the gift of like the science behind food and why it works, and make it easy for you, and make it comfortable for you. Um, so now a lot of the food that I've been doing for a lot of these pop ups has been Italian because that's kind of my my heritage and my, um, you know, what I grew up cooking with my family on holidays was ravioli because uh, my mom's side is Italian. So it felt really special to make pasta from scratch from the time I was a kid to now. Um, and I love teaching people that. So, you know, I get to bring in some of my own heritage and, and plug that in. I think that's always useful when other people are learning um, to be able to share kind of that like inherited beautiful cultural aspect. Uh, but I, I also like to think that, you know, in every restaurant I've worked in, again, my mentors just kept showing up for me. I was really lucky to have chefs who would take me under their wing and, and teach me um, patiently because I needed a lot of patience. I messed up so many things so many times. And um, I think that, you know, a lot of those chefs had different backgrounds, of, you know, my Mexican chef would teach me how to make Chinese food. So <laughs> I like to think I'm a part of like a lot of different families. What are some of the dishes that you like to teach others to make? Really, really anything that gives them the capacity to recreate something beautiful for themselves later. That's, that's a win. So it's kind of all over the place. So I think my favorite, long story short, my favorite is teaching Italian food because that's my heart song, but my real favorite is getting people to feel empowered with the food they're making. That's awesome too. What is the one main message or one grand piece of advice that you could give to our students who are maybe struggling to figure out what it is they want to do, or maybe the students that really do want to go into a career in this career in cooking, what would you say to them? Well, our mantra for our uh, presentation a few weeks ago 
was a true to sales mantra, I think. And we said, feed who you are and feed that well. <laughs> to me, to me, that is actually, that's it. We nailed it. When you feed who you are and feed that well, it doesn't have to mean with food. It means take care of yourself in whatever respect possible and do things for yourself that are going to open up doors later. And I also think that it's imperative to say yes, uh, even when it feels scary, daunting, even when you're not sure. Thank you so much, Eliza, for joining me today and sharing your incredible experiences with everyone. So if anyone would like to reach out to Eliza, I have her website linked in the caption and be sure to check her out on Facebook and Instagram at Eliza the Chef. So thank you everyone for listening. Please remember to just subscribe to Beyond the Tassel on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to your podcast, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you once again for tuning in to today's episode of Beyond the Tassel. It is our honor to present the success stories of our DeSales alumni via podcast. If you are a DeSales alumni and would like to be a guest on the show, you can contact melanie.valone at desales.edu. And if you are currently a DeSales student and would like to connect with an alumni in your field, you can contact kathy.kraus at sales.edu. Until next time, Bulldogs.